Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, a podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them. Uh, today, Lindsay, it's, it's you. You're doing something. Yay. What are you doing? Uh, Gotham Academy. Cool. Here's everything I know about Gotham Academy. It's a comic book in Gotham <laughs> in an academy. <laughs> Yeah, um, basically, Gotham Academy uh, came out a couple years ago, uh, fairly well received. It focuses on a girl named Olive Silverlock, who's a teenage girl, and her friends as they encounter mysterious threats at Gotham's most prestigious prep school and its association with Arkham Asylum. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so this came out, it launched on uh, in October 2014, and was part of a ninth and final wave of the New 52 imprint that was oh, created wow. by Becky Cloonan and Brendan Fletcher, and the main artist was Carl Kershey. Okay. Yeah, and it ran for about two years, and it's now non-canon because fucking... The New 52 pieced out. Yeah. Hey, can we add fixing DC, just fixing the entire North American comic book industry? I mean, we we talked a good chunk about that uh, last time we had our... when we did Marvel, and DC has very similar problems, and apparently Diamond Distributors might be going under due to COVID. Yeah, that's the thing. The the whole landscape might be completely changing anyways. Yeah. (laughs) So, we'll see. We'll, We'll see what things look like when we hit episode 100. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, what I want to do is adapt this into a live-action teen drama on the CW, probably, and add it to the Arrowverse. Nice. Yeah. Cause How honestly, much do you know about the Arrowverse? Have you ever watched any of the Arrowverse shows? I've watched, like, a couple episodes of Supergirl, and that's about it. So I'm going to be your co- your uh, comic TV ringer. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I mean, I, I was going to say, since... It's only canon to the New 52 timeline. You could easily just reboot this as a comic set in the, 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 what's the, what is DC, what is it called now? I don't know. Rebirth. Rebirth. fit into the rebirth, the rebirth continuity, which is also the same as the pre-New 52 continuity, except it's what happened after the New 52. You know what? I don't care if it, and if I get my hands on DC, we are sticking to one continuity and maybe once in a while shaking things up. Here's the thing, you can't you can't do another continuity reboot on DC or they will die. <laughs> the reason I said that we're not allowed to do a continuity reboot to the entire Marvel Universe is because I've seen what's happened to DC when they keep slamming the reset button over and over again. Yeah. God. God help me with continuity re- reboots. My, I think my favorite thing to come out of the whole fallout of DC Rebirth and the fact that, like, the New 52 was created from Dr. Manhattan trying to experiment with the DC universe, and then, like, the Watchmen universe got folded into DC, but only a little bit. Just the tip. (laughs) Just the tip of the big blue Manhattan dick. You can't unsee it. (laughs) Uh, It's just hanging there. (laughs) <laughs> the true one-eyed monster. <laughs> but like in the at the end of Countdown, which I stopped reading 
apparently just before the match cut between Earth and a Green Latin breast. (laughs) 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 I stopped reading Rebirth before it finished, but apparently at the end, like, Dark Manhattan, like, sees the future of the whole DC universe and, like, stuff that happens, and, like, there's a whole bunch of foreshadowing to events that they plan on doing in, like, the next decade or so. Yeah, let's see if they stick to that. Well, because one of them was another crossover between Justice League and Avengers, and everyone's like, wow, really? You're calling that now? You want us to show up for for Secret Crisis? (laughs) And and you expect us to believe that's going to stay on your timeline in five years? So... Gotham Academy. Gotham Academy. So my general idea is like teen drama and like the first uh, the first series of 12 uh, comics because like all things they aim for 12 so that they can put it into a bind up edition that I eventually buy for chapters because <laughs> I don't have the time nor patience nor desire to spend that much money on individual issues of comics. Yeah. Uh, if Diamond really does go under, we might just have to expect trade paperbacks to be the, the default. Get your annual annual floppy, not floppy, those are the singles. Get your annual bound copy. They gotta figure something out. Because yeah. Diamond can't last past this, really. So, uh, the whole thing is that shit went down prior to the series, during the summer... And Olive doesn't remember what happened, but she kind of broke up with her boyfriend over this, and her mom got sent to Arkham Asylum and then disappeared. And uh, she might have powers. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a big summer. Yeah. (laughs) How old are these kids? Like, sophomores? Uh, I would say about that. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking Riverdale age, where they're played by 24-year-olds so that we can get some sexy stuff going on. Yeah, it's just, yeah, you have to know the, the in-universe age so you can figure out how many seasons are set in the high school before you have to either graduate them or you decide to pull a Degrassi and start doing half a semester seasons instead of full semester seasons. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of uh, younger actors for the characters. Also, is this, like, is Gotham Academy, like, a prep school, a private school? Uh, I think it's a private school. Like, they're in uniforms and it's one of the more prestigious schools. And apparently Bruce Wayne does kind of put some money into it, but I wouldn't mind changing it up a bit, where it's just like, say, the oldest public school in the city. Yeah. I think even that, because I'm just thinking of what's currently on the CW, and I feel like this would definitely have to wait until after Legacies has finished. Yeah. Just because it's too much, it's way too similar. Yeah. And as I said, I don't mind changing the setting slightly from a private school to a public school. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, we live in a town that has some older public school buildings. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, they mostly date back from the 1920s. Yeah, like, I think anything that's got collegiate in its name. Well, all of our high schools are collegiate. So that's just what... Oh, that's true. The system went with. It's didn't more like that the collegiate now. gothic style. <laughs> A lot of our schools look a little bit like repurposed monasteries. Yeah. (laughs) And then some of them have just, like, a a brutalist tower emerging from the center because they needed more rooms. Oh, God. Don't get me started on the architecture of our fucking university. That is just... mm. 
It's not as bad as... Well, is it in Toronto where, like, the big thing is, like, these futuristic postmodern buildings, like, the architecture literally consuming yeah. <laughs> <of> older buildings? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty terrible. Yeah, it's not that bad. But I, I will say that the education building is, I think, partially in another dimension. Education building is definitely several public schools just kind of folded in on each other, but they're <laughs> like, hell, this is a lot of classrooms. We can use this for university studies. Yeah. I'm just no, saying that there's actually, something weird with our, our university. Our education lot. building isn't in another dimension. It is just, it's a little bit Waysidean, but it's all like in this dimension. The real <laughs> other dimension is the language center because no one ever goes in there. Yeah. I went in there once. <laughs> I, th I think. I'm pretty sure I was there. Maybe physically, maybe not spiritually. And I don't think I've ever been higher than, like, the third floor on the science building, at the science building. I mean, to be fair, all universities are weird. Yeah. And, and I'm sure everyone has their own tales of, like, non-Euclidean events occurring <laughs> in their post-secondary studies. Yeah. <laughs> that time we might have almost summoned a, an eldritch abomination. Was that in any way related to the time we elected a frozen turkey as class president? <laughs> Look, that was the anarchist who did that, not us. You know, based on some of the shit that went down at our school, <laughs> I feel like we should have tried that again. Yeah. <laughs> CIA backed LSD experiments or not. Well, that was all the universities, let's be fair. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Gotham Academy. Um, Gotham Academy. Yeah. Do they have a frozen turkey as class president. <laughs> <laughs> Let's throw it in. <laughs> or even just like part of the school lore. Yeah, remember that time we elected a frozen turkey as student body president? What if Victor was behind that? <laughs> what if all the Batman main characters, because if we make it a public school, that means that a lot of people can come from this. Because if it's a private school, it's only like very specific high class villains like yeah. Oswald and uh, Tommy and them. But if it's a public school, everyone could be coming out of this. Everyone could be the alma mater from Gotham Academy. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, okay, everybody would expect the secret tunnels under the school because there's secret tunnels under the school, of course. <laughs> there's an entire cave system under Gotham, along with, like, weird islands and all that. I did a bit of a dive into Gotham history according to the DC Wiki. You get bonus marks if you're able to find the, the book that opens a secret passageway in the library. <laughs> yeah, so everybody would expect, you know, the secret tunnels and the weird mystery stuff to be at the private school. Nobody would expect, you know, the kind of rundown public school to have the weird stuff going on. <laughs> Can I just say it's always a little bit disconcerting when there's incredibly underfunded like situations in Gotham, and even after Bruce Wayne like realizes the situation the city's in, he still. I mean, okay, he he does a lot of donations, but it always feels like he could be doing more. Yeah, I don't know. Like, there's part of it where it's like the city is so corrupt, and also according to DC lore, the city is fucking cursed. Um, that it. Whatever Bruce does, it's never going to be enough. Yeah. But on the other hand, step up Bruce. <laughs> yeah. And also a little bit step up Kate. Yeah. I mean, at the, at the very least, uh, in Batwoman, you can a little bit, not really justify it, but 
you can defend Kate in saying it's not that she doesn't care about the situations in the city, because she does, but she's too caught up in solving them as Batwoman that she, I, I, I generally feel like Kate sometimes forgets that she is incredibly rich yeah. on the Batwoman show. Yeah. But hey, she did open up a really poppin' gay bar. Cool. And there was only one vampire attack. <laughs> so far. <laughs> and no one died, so hey. Yeah, that's good. That's a win. <laughs> As I said, Gotham is a fucking curse, according to um, various sources. What happened was, a couple thousand years ago, there was an evil warlock who was buried alive on one of the central islands that Gotham's built on, <laughs> and his evil just seeped into the ground. Gotham <laughs> is built on top of the backs of several really mean turtles. <laughs> And apparently there's a very cursed artifact that's located somewhere deep in the caves underneath Gotham. Is it the giant penny? <laughs> no, it's a chunk of amber from the Ice Age that has like a an arm attached to it, a mummified arm attached to it. <laughs> Comics are dumb, never change. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a reason why I have a list of characters to be included that include Man Bat, Swamp Thing, John Constantine, Jonah Hex, Solomon Grundy, Jason Blood. Jason Blood is actually uh, already in Arrowverse. Oh, cool. Um, let me. Okay, gosh, now I gotta pull up the wiki page. <laughs> I don't know if Solomon Grundy has ever been mentioned yet. Yeah. Solomon Grundy did appear in Gotham, but so far Gotham is not canon to Arrowverse and none of the elements migrated over. Okay. I would really appreciate if they took some of the like more well-received elements of Gotham and just put them into Batwoman like retroactively. Yeah. Like say in season two, she needs to go talk to Riddler and it turns out he's the same Riddler from Gotham. But of course, because of Crisis, as far as he's concerned, he's always been this Riddler for this Earth. Okay. Okay, according to the Arrowverse wiki... Cyrus Gold, who later becomes Solomon Grundy in the comics, but Cyrus Gold was in the Arrowverse, and he did get enhanced by the Miracle Serum, and died, but at so no point has he, like, been resurrected. So yeah, Solomon Grundy is still on the table. Okay. There is a man named Father Trigon, but he's only appeared in a novel, so that doesn't count, so if you want to bring a Trigon in, we can. Okay. Sebastian Blood, though, is completely canon. He was the big bad of Arrow Season 2, ah. where he led the Brotherhood of Blood to like go on a whole rampage across the city. And he was killed by Isabelle Rochev, who was like the apprentice to Slade Wilson, and played by Summer Glau. Oh, cool. So, also, yes, unfortunately, the concept of Summer Glau was off the table. Ah, darn. <laughs> Unless it was a twin! <laughs> I mean, comics are dumb. We can do whatever. <laughs> exactly. Or, or the other the other thing is that uh, all of these people could have been resurrected or retconned by the crisis as well. Because yeah. there are a bunch of people who were dead previously, but now they're back alive in the post-crisis world. Oliver Queen went out of his way to basically resurrect his entire family. Cool. But yeah, so no, you're you actually, you know what, you're right. Literally anything could happen. It's yeah. Gotham Academy and we're post-crisis. <laughs> Everything's available to us. Also, if we're assuming that this is taking place in the same theoretical continuity that my proposed Zatanna series takes place, then we can definitely have a crossover. Yeah. Field trip. Yeah, and we're dealing with magic anyway, so. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because it's eventually uh, revealed after a lot of yada 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 that um, Olive is descended from a witch who has pyrokinetic powers and kind of reincarnated and there's some weird stuff and it's all involving with like um, the early founders of Gotham as we currently know it and the guy who built Arkham Asylum. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to get too much into what actually happens in the plot of this series because I do want people to read it. Okay. And while I'm fine with spoilers, I'm sometimes like, I don't want to spoil this all for everybody. That's that's extremely fair. Yeah. But hey, like the good news is that we can take the two years worth of comic stuff and we can extend that into like four years. Yeah, because it kind of ended on a cliffhanger. Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we can like put in so many just event of the week stuff mm-hmm. that doesn't have to be drawn directly from the comics. It yeah. can just be antics. It's literally antics. Yes. Like, these are teenagers. We might be able to introduce Damian Wayne because he shows up. Oh, mayhaps. Yeah. That's assuming that Damian Wayne is not the reason that Batman left. Yeah. The, the two biggest theories are either he left to raise Damien, or this is just after Jason Todd's supposed death, and so he's like, I failed the city. <laughs> I can no longer be Batman. I have to hide myself out in the woods or something. I don't know. Maybe I was sent to the past. That happened one time. I was a pirate. <laughs> Maybe Alfred is like, Master Wayne, you know, you could just be Bruce Wayne for a while and be in charge of your company and, you know, maybe provide jobs. I, th- I think Alfred has also passed. Oh. Alfred and Lucius are both passed, but their kids are around. Okay. And Alfred's daughter made out with Kate, and it was real hot. Ooh. I imagine. I don't know. It does nothing to me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but someone needs to smack Bruce upside the head and be like, hey, you have all this money in the world, and you're not getting any younger. <laughs> Maybe you can help reduce crime and choke off some of the uh, henchmen <laughs> sources for your bad guys by providing jobs and housing and education. He listen. He has a lot on his plate. <laughs> There's these big bats. I mean, yeah, Man Bat is a thing, and I do want to introduce Man Bat because, like, he hasn't been touched yet. No, he has never appeared in live action so far. Not even in Gotham, yeah. because that would be too much for their special effects budget to handle. Yeah, that's true. But, like, for a future Batman movie, that would be a nice compliment to the Batman. Yeah? Yeah. It wasn't live action, but I think Kirk Langstrom did show up in the Batman-Turtles crossover. Okay. Because uh, Shredder and Joker combined the like his serum with the, mut- the ooze mutagen and the Joker venom. Yeah, makes sense. To make a whole... A whole bunch of body horror shit. Yeah. You can find clips on YouTube. but uh, So they unleash the Joker Venom on all of the Arkham inmates. Ooh. And you get to see them violently transform into their personas. <laughs> so, like, Scarecrow turns into a big crow. And Bane turns into a big tiger. Uh, Poison Ivy obviously turns into a Venus flytrap. But, like, her- hers is kind of sad because she gets rooted to the ground. And so she can't actually reach anyone when she tries to kill them. And Venus Flytrap is kind of stretching the definition of a fursona. Listen, I don't make the rules. <laughs> uh, Harley Quinn was a hyena and Joker was a snake, obviously. Yeah. Um, but also, Two-Face got turned into a cat. 
but like one of those chimera cats where they've got oh, like the two faces. Yeah. And so yeah, you in in this animated cartoon for children, you get to see Two Face's head tear itself in half to turn into cats. Ah, you know, for kids. <laughs> mommy, mommy, I love Ninja Turtles. Good. <laughs> I'm gonna put this on the background and then ignore you. <laughs> this is fine. So another good thing about the series is that it's very diverse. Nice. I was going to ask, because if you don't want to talk about plot, at least who are the characters? Who are these people? Okay, so you got Olive. Uh, she's, I guess, racially ambiguous because she's got, like, dark skin. She used to have dark hair, but then the events of the summer turned it white. That's always a good sign. Yeah! <laughs> oh, I am prematurely going gray! <laughs> Which has happened. I heard that uh, Sir Isaac Newton went gray by, like, 23. I don't know if I'm going gray. Probably not. You wouldn't be able to tell, obviously. No. <laughs> now, uh, according to my family's genetics, I will go very white by the time I'm about 60. God, that's so far off. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh... Don't think about how you're almost halfway there. It's so far off. You do realize that we're not far from 30. It's This is fine. <laughs> Actually, you know what I did realize the other day? What? We don't have to worry about a 10-year anniversary or a 10-year reunion. Oh, thank God! <laughs> no, it's, it's going to be a 700-person Zoom call. So you got that. You got Maps and her brother Kyle. Uh, Kyle was Olive's boyfriend. Um, they kind of have an on and off again relationship. They're both uh, Japanese American. Sorry, what was Kyle? Who was the first name you said? Maps. Maps? Her real name is Mia, but she goes by Maps because she's really into like mapping stuff and uh, D&D. I guess she's like a dungeon master at heart because from what I hear, the first thing you do is create maps. Yeah, you can probably... I mean, your brother just rolled out the whole whiteboard with the dry erase sheet. Yeah. <laughs> the first time we were playing. Let's see, there's Pommeline, who is African-American. Colton, who is, um... Well, he looks white, but his last name is Rivera, so I'm guessing he's Hispanic? Yeah, well, Hispanic just means Spanish-speaking. Yeah. So we could just be from Spain. And even if he's from Mexico or, or South America, there are still white latinos yeah like christina aguilera yeah so yeah that's those are the main characters and there's other characters of course involved um plus they get a whole bunch of villains they actually brought back an adam west era villain was it the egg one uh he's called mr scarlet and he also goes by the name the bookworm okay because books and mysteries within books and hidden diaries are very important to the series and this man eats books. <laughs> nah, he's more just obsessed with books and finding the clues in them. But yes, bookworms are, are a real thing. Yes. Yeah. Not, be, not to be confused with the other DC villain, Mr. Mind, who's almost a literal bookworm. Joy. Sorry, as an archivist, I'm just like, nope. Nope, 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 nope. Bookworms are the enemy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That and silverfish and humidity and mold and fire and water. <laughs> Don't even look at these documents. They're going to explode. 
Our greatest weapon is freezing shit. Literally. Place floods, you just, like, freeze it. Oh, no wonder you like this series. Yeah. <laughs> this is just action high school archiving. <laughs> well, they're old books. There's so much old book stuff, and I am like, yes! And there's mysteries and museums and secret tunnels, and it's all linked together in weird architecture stuff. And I'm just swan diving into, like, the weird magical esoteric side of the DC universe. <laughs> because, as I said, I... I want to bring in Constantine. I want to bring in Jonah Hex because he actually did go to Gotham at some point in like the 1800s. So of course it's not going to show up in like in person with the teens, but in flashbacks. Well, also, so John Constantine is on Legends of Tomorrow and Jonah Hex has appeared several times. So you never know what kind of shenanigans he might get up to where he, like, has to go on the Wave Rider and then just gets deposited in Gotham by accident. <laughs> and he's like, now I gotta, now I gotta take care of a whole bunch of children. <laughs> My name's Jonah Hex and I'll be your phys ed teacher. <laughs> you actually won't be a good phys ed teacher. <laughs> or the worst. <laughs> All right, kids, today in gym class, we're going to learn how to shoot a tin can off a man's head at 20 paces. <laughs> I want to finish that. Equestrian. <laughs> also, the um, this series does break, well, not exactly break, but it does play around with the whole adults are useless trope. Mm -hmm. Because some of the adults are actually useful, but they don't show up a lot because, you know, teens, they're not communicating yeah. what's going on. <laughs> Yeah, that's a thing that happens. Yeah. There's a reason why that My Chemical Romance song exists. Mm-hmm. Yep. Impulsive. Not exactly going to ask questions about stuff, or they might ask questions, but not exactly the right questions. So yeah, it's mostly shenanigans. It's mostly Monster of the Week, I'm thinking, with, you know, the bigger arc, the bigger character arcs overall. Because a lot of Olive's stuff is that something happened during the summer mm -hmm. that turned her hair white. Also, her eyes went red. Like, the iris part went red. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just weird shit's happening around her. Her mom's gone. Also, her mom might have killed her dad while possessed. Okay. Yeah. That might have happened. There's a reason why mom is in uh, Arkham Asylum. And the reason is that Gotham sticks everybody in Arkham Asylum. Yeah, that's true. Even though they actually do have a prison, but it doesn't seem like it ever gets used. Um, maybe that's where the henchmen go. Probably safer that way, actually. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all that happens, and then she eventually discovers like all these connections to her family's history and uh, pyrokinetic powers. Yay. Stuff's going on fire. It's kind of like Carrie after a while. Yeah, it does have definite carry vibes, the whole situation. Yeah. So, like, the first arc is just figuring out, like, what happened during that summer, um, and why Mom is in the prison. And also, Killer Croc shows up. I don't know if Killer Croc has shown up in any of the other DC TV series. Not yet. Okay, cool. So, uh, Killer Croc is actually fairly nice to the teens because apparently Olive's mom helped him out. With certain stuff. I mean, Killer Croc is usually a tr more tragic. Not not 
like super super tragic because he's still a villain. Yeah. But he's usually treated more sympathetically compared to a lot of other bat villains. Okay. Also, it's just neat to see a giant anthropomorphized crocodile. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's that, and then the second season is dealing with um. So Olive might have a Tyler Durden side. Oh great. Yeah. And the big cliffhanger um, involves that Tyler Durden side. Hmm. It's also where Damien Wayne appears, but I don't know if we're going to include Damien Wayne because that also depends on what goes on in, in Batwoman. Yeah. So maybe... Here's the thing with Tyler Durden situations is that doesn't always paint the best picture, picture of mental health yeah. and those kind of... Uh, identity disorders. Yeah. So if we were to follow that kind of route, I would prefer we make it clear that it is a like a, a demonic possession. Yeah. Which definitely seems like something that would happen on here. Yeah. Could even possibly be the same demonic possession that her mom did. Yeah. Yeah, just go full supernatural route with this. Mm-hmm. Because, as I said, I want to explore like the more magical side of what happens in the DC universe. Yeah. And this is definitely, it's going to have the spookier gothic feeling to it. I think like I'm, I haven't actually watched Batwoman yet because uh, we don't have cable and I am lazy when it comes to watching this stuff. Um, yeah. um so how gothic is uh Batwoman? I wouldn't say it's too gothic. Like it, it's, it hits the minimum amount of gothic in the sense that it is a, a Batwoman, Batman show. Yeah. Most of the stuff does take place at night. But I wouldn't say it's any more gothic than, say, a Daredevil. Okay. Yeah, and I guess what I'm aiming for is more, like, capital G gothic. Like, I, See, here's the thing. It's hard for me to define things as gothic because I don't know if I've seen a lot of gothic stuff. Okay. So, so I can talk about, like, the concept of gothic romance as much as I want, but honestly, I'm pulling most of it out of my rear. Okay, so I guess the best aesthetic that I am going for is um, the woman with good hair running from the dark castle. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, follow the pop librarian for more photos like that because, like, those cover those cover arts are really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, like, the generally dark themes and all that sort of stuff. Like, um, hmm. Gothic... Is hard to define, but you know it when you see it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely understand that. So yeah. it's hard for me to put into words. Yeah. Yeah. Like, think of, like, the best version of a Dracula movie you have ever seen. And that's what I, I kind of want to go for in terms of feel. I don't think I've seen... The best Dracula movie I've seen is Van Helsing. I mean, Bram Stoker's Dracula isn't the because Keanu Reeves was horribly miscast, but... No, I haven't seen Bram Stoker's Dracula. The only movies I've seen that have Dracula in them are Van Helsing and Blade Trinity. Oh. <laughs> the best Dracula movie I've seen is Van Helsing. Van Helsing slaps. Yeah, Van Helsing does slap, and what should have started the actual uh, universal dark universe. Yeah. So yeah, the best Dracula movie I've seen so far has been Bram Stoker's Dracula, where, again, Keanu Reeves, great actor, he was not well cast in that movie, and uh, forced to do an English accent, which he clearly cannot do. So, 
Also, I think that was one of the starting points for the whole, oh, um, Mina is apparently the reincarnation of Dracula's dead wife. And also, like, really tying together the whole Dracula is Vlad Dracul. And I'm like, okay, if you're gonna go with that angle, um, Dracula was married twice. So, gotta be specific about which wife you really liked. Yeah. Anyway, I'm kind of, I'm again drifting, but like, yeah. So, high gothic, but also teen drama shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, once again, you could pro- we could probably look to legacies as a source of inspiration for this. Yeah. It's just, again, we'd have to wait for legacies to end, and then we'd go, okay, this is like legacies, but with superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. If I remember correctly, um, okay, I've just pulled out the thing. Uh, Two-Face, the Penguin, have also shown up. And I don't think Two-Face's facial makeup would be that hard to do for a TV series. Oh, no, that'd be incredibly easy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not to say it's easy to do those kind of facial prosthetics, because obviously you'd have to cast it the right kind so that it's, like, able to move organically in that. Yeah. It's just, compared to some other bat villain stuff that you have to pull off, like a killer croc or a man bat, Yeah. just just doing a muck-up on the one side of the face would be fairly yeah. easy. And also, I have a casting idea for the penguin, because this podcaster slash actor has already said that he wants to play the penguin. Uh, Henry Zabrowski from last podcast on the left. Okay. Yeah, he actually is, like, penguin size and shape. He is, like, five foot seven. I mean... He doesn't look very penguin-shaped. Put the makeup on him, and he actually used to be bigger back in the day, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, and he said he's wanted to play the penguin for a long time. (laughs) Okay, here. See, it's hard for me to picture because he's got the beard. Yeah. But yeah, now I'm finding some older pictures. Yeah, I guess that does make some sense. Yeah. Known for his work on the Adult Swim series, your pretty face is going to hell. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I have no idea who could play Two-Face, but... Well, in Gotham, when they tried to do Two-Face, it was Nicholas D'Agosto. Okay. Yeah, he's he is a very pretty man. Yeah. But as for the teens, a couple ideas I I had for, like, Olive, I I went the Degrassi route. <laughs> um, I thought Amanda Curry, but after seeing some other pictures of Olive, I'm not entirely sure. Amanda Curry... I don't know what her heritage is, but her character on Degrassi was Argentinian. Yeah, I think she's also part Argentinian. Here, let me go to the Degrassi route. So there's uh, Soma Chaya, who was also credited as Soma Batia. Okay. And she played the... So I believe the, the character was from Pakistan, but Soma is of Indian descent. Okay. What's her age, though? 21. So she could still play younger. Yeah. Um, there was also Chelsea Clark, who is Chinese. Uh, I think those are your best options. Yeah. Amanda or Curie, we should put in there just on principle. Uh, probably not as any of the characters you named, but just because Amanda was the best because Lola was the best. Okay. Lola was, if, if Degrassi was able to keep going with that cast, Lola would have become the main character because she was the smartest person in the show. Smartest, kindest person. Oh, Okay. For maps, I went with Aubrey Anderson Emmons. Uh, 
she plays Lily on Modern Family. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and she's very good. Yeah. And Maps is a little bit younger than the rest of the cast, so I went with her. She's, like, 13 years old, and she has that sort of, like... Maps is a very energetic character, so I wanted someone who has that sort of energy. Um, Pomeline, I went with Vanessa Morgan, uh, Tony Topaz from Riverdale. Okay. But she might be on the cusp of being a bit too old. She is our age. Yeah. But she, she doesn't... just turned 28. Happy birthday. I see, here's the thing is that I feel like if we're skewing up with the real teens, we have to skew up with maps too. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be incredibly noticeable if we have like a 22, 23 year old standing next to an actual 12 year old. Yeah. There's also the fact that Aubrey is Korean. And you said the characters were Japanese? Japanese-American. And if, if we can assume that we have the capability to cast unknowns, yeah. I think if we can't find the proper person, we can just say, and they're an unknown actor! Yeah, that's fair. My one problem with Kyle was that I couldn't find an Asian actor in the right age range for him. Because, like, he's also supposed to be the school hottie. And, okay. Yeah, and the problem is that most of like the really good-looking Asian actors I know right now are way too old to play him. Um, oh, and you can't really search for Asian actors because then you're going to get a lot of results out of like directly out of Korea, or like, Japan. Japan, and Sentai. Yeah. And K dramas and whatnot. Yeah. Well, this here's a Teen Vogue article, so maybe that'll be twenty-nine Asian actors. Oh, this is going to be all ages. Um. Depending on when this gets released, it could potentially be one of the fresh-off-the-boat kids. Okay. They could have aged into the role. Yeah. Which also means that some of the people we're suggesting would have aged out, but yeah. that's not really a, a problem Yeah. in this hypothetical magical land. Yeah. <laughs> also, I know all of these actors that, that Teen Vogue is telling me I don't know about. Anyway, it just seems a bit difficult to cast teen characters because everybody ages so quickly. Yeah. Like, yeah, that is the problem with hypotheticals. Like, unless you're putting it into production right now. Yeah. With kid actors, you don't know what they're going to look like in, like, ten years either. So, especially when you're planning long-term. Like, the Harry Potter production team hit gold with their team cast. Yeah. So is there anything else you can think of that you want to add to this? Or have we kind of run dry? Uh, I'm starting to run dry. Okay, that's fair. So so I guess we end we end this by saying, hey, it's a good comic, go read it. Yes. I think it's actually available online. I would hope so. Yeah. What you do is you order copies. If you have physical copies, you don't need any more. Send them directly to the CW head offices as a hint. <laughs> yeah, and uh, DC, get your shit together. We're begging you. <laughs> Can we not go five minutes with some earth-shattering revelation about the, the concept of time and souls? Please just let... Let your characters be weird for a decade. Like, wh when Marvel changes the script, it's like, I lied to you seven years ago, and now the entire concept of our friendship has changed, and because of this, a thousand people died because we were in an argument. And then when DC has a revelation, it's like, Batman sat in the chair made by God himself and was able to peer through space and time to discover that the Joker is actually a universal constant, or some shit like that. I don't know which one is dumber. <laughs> well, while we ponder that, we'll go over to a friendship promo. <laughs> Thank you.
Are you looking for gardening guidance but can't stand the vague, wishy-washy answers to your plant problems? Are you sick and tired of advice from people you wouldn't trust to peel an orange, much less fertilize an orchid? Well, you're in luck, because it is I, Skeletor, here casting pods at you. If you know anything about my work, and you should, it's that I am the sworn enemy of He-Man and the rightful master of the universe. What you may not know is that I am also the rightful master of gardening. Overwatering? Underwatering? Not sure how to water your plants? Not on my watch. Garden Plots with Skeletor is a scheme, I mean podcast, that will save your plants from your black-thumbed buffoonery and will turn you into... Well, it will not turn you into a master of the universe, but it will make you a less incompetent gardener. With my commands, your backyard will flourish, your window boxes will blossom, and you'll finally get that cool urban jungle look that people keep talking about. Most importantly, you won't disappoint me, which is something I assure you, you would be wise to avoid. Subscribe to Garden Plots with Skeletor wherever you get your podcasts. Garden Plots with Skeletor. Scheming to keep your greens green. See, the thing is, we need a little from column A and a little from column B. And that's why the Amalgam Universe is the only valid comic book. Yes. Anyway, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found at lindsaym476, that's Lindsay spelled with an A, on Twitter. And you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? I can be found on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. And you can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not if I boot you first, and they're pronounced, WHERE'S THE JOKER? <laughs> you can also email us at notifyrebootyoufirst at gmail.com, where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, or your favorite Batman villain. You could even ask to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you send us a hint instead of the entire idea, because we like being surprised. You can also rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice, and if you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then contact me and I'll try and get us in there. Not If I Reboot You First is a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can find out more about the other awesome shows we share the network with at CornerPodNet on Twitter. And last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex, a.k.a. Pachu, when her work can be found on ptchew.com. And our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you'd like Mizuka's hip... <laughs> and our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you'd like music of his own for your own. Hey, Tanner. What? You got a hint for next week? I don't actually, because I, I I thought I knew what I was going to do next week, and then I changed my mind at the last minute, but I didn't think to find something else. <laughs> so give me a moment. You know what? Okay. So I'm going to do this one because I had an idea for a very silly fanfic involving this character. Now, we're not doing the very silly fanfic idea, because I'd have to say that for my Glee podcast, but... That being said, Megatron is dead, which means now I, Starscream, am leader of the Decepticons! Okay. So we'll be holding that mutiny next week, but not if we reboot you first. Bye.